0: You're listening to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. Support for this project is provided by listeners like you. Visit my website at p3photographers.net for ideas on how you too can become a supporter of the project. Welcome to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols, the podcast where we celebrate early women artisan photographers. I'm your host, Lee McIntyre. Today, I'm going to give you a quick introduction to 18 women who were involved in professional photography in the little town of Blue Rapids, Kansas, starting in 1890. For more information about any of the women discussed in today's episode, visit my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. We've traveled today to Blue Rapids, Kansas which is a small town in the northeastern part of that state. It's a tiny town that has a small central town square, which is actually a circle, with a handful of businesses that still ring the town green. They also have a nice little historical museum there, too. The population of Blue Rapids has never really reached 2,000. Right now, it's around 1,000 people, and in 1900, it was just a little bit more than that. But the reason we've come to Blue Rapids today is because it's really striking that between 1890 and 1920, there were always at least two photography studios in town. And during that period, at least one of them was always run by a woman. There are really so many women connected with photography in Blue Rapids that it's hard to know how to start. I mean, I've compiled a list of 18 women, starting in 1893, that were involved in some way with photography, running studios, or working at studios. There are... Many studios, as I said, almost always, at least two simultaneously. Some of those are run by women. Some of them are consecutive chains of ownership where the ownership passes from one woman to the next. And of course, that doesn't include other studios that were there run solely by men. Now, the very first studio in town opened in 1871 when D.B. Taylor, a man who was noted as being the first photographer and tonsorial artist in town, opened his photography studio slash barbershop. Now there's a notice in the Blue Rapids Times paper in 1905 that commemorates that event. The Blue Rapids Times newspaper has actually been digitized up until about 1925, which is great because we have a lot of information that we find in little nuggets about these women in the social notices. There's a very active social life there in town. But also in the notices about the studios and the women working at the studios or running the studios. Also, as we find with all the other women that we've discussed, They're very active in the state photography organizations, going to conventions every year, traveling with other photographers, both from Blue Rapids and elsewhere in Kansas. The digitized Blue Rapids Times newspapers have been a wonderful resource, but I also want to thank the folks at the Blue Rapids Historical Society. As I mentioned, Blue Rapids has a wonderful little historical museum there and the people in Blue Rapids have been so helpful and so generous with their time and efforts to track down the information about all these women photographers that I'm going to be talking to you about today and in the next episode. I'd like to say a special thanks to Lori, Tom, Annette, Nancy, Pat, as well as everyone else that we've talked with at the Blue Rapids Historical Society and elsewhere in town. Now in terms of the photography that the women in Blue Rapids did, They ran studios and did the typical kinds of artisan photography that we find with all of the women that we're talking about here on the podcast. And we find photos of babies and women and men. We find photos of places in town. There are school class photos. There are photos of just the town itself. These photos were done as cabinet cards or CDVs or used in the newspapers to be photos of people and places in town. They were also reproduced as postcards. It's going to be impossible to cover all 18 of these women in depth without staying in Blue Rapids for the rest of the year. So what I want to do today and in the next episode is just start to discover a little bit of their stories to give you a sense of the rich history of early women artisan photography in Blue Rapids, Kansas. Now, the earliest evidence I have for women photographers in Blue Rapids Is a woman named Della Riddle. There's a notice in the newspaper in 1893 that she's actually closing her studio in order to get married to a man who's a teacher, not a photographer. He eventually becomes a minister. In trying to trace whether or not she ever went back to photography after her marriage, I discovered that, unfortunately, she died quite young in 1901. She was survived by her husband and their young son, Fred. Fred, sadly, is actually the first casualty in World War I from the Marshall County area, the county where Blue Rapids is located. He's buried with his mother in the cemetery there in Blue Rapids. In any case, Della Riddle is the first woman photographer that I have evidence for who ran a studio in Blue Rapids. But that notice in 1893 when she's selling her studio actually is more about the fact that another company's coming to town, family of photographers named Chaudet. They opened the Chaudet Art Company in Blue Rapids in 1893, taking out a big ad to proclaim that they are here to stay. Well, they stay for a little while. They actually take out ads advertising specials to get free photo of your baby and that kind of thing. Just very typical kinds of the entrepreneurial ads. But what's interesting about the Chaudet Company is actually it's run by a husband and wife, and then later they're joined by their son. But the husband, Alfred and Avia Chaudet, are very active as photographers in the Midwest, not just in Blue Rapids, but all over the place. They have galleries in Joplin, Missouri and McCook, Nebraska, among other places. And in 1893, when they come to Blue Rapids and take over the gallery that had been the place where Dealey Riddle had had her studio, Well, they take over that gallery, but they actually give up the gallery that they had had in McCook, Nebraska, because they buy a photo car. They are running multiple locations for their photography, not just in Blue Rapids. But we do have an example of their photography there in Blue Rapids. It's a wonderful head-and-shoulders portrait shot of a woman, which is interesting because one of the things that they are very proud of later on in their careers is the fact that they are specialists in taking Pictures of places, of views of the town, views of people's ranches, of their farms. And that becomes really their niche market circa 1900. But as I mentioned, in 1893, they're in Blue Rapids, but they also had that photo car. Now, a photo car, I should maybe explain a little bit about that. It's a private railroad car. It's really just this idea that photographers had to be able to go from town to town, have a portable studio so they didn't have to rent space in every little town, but they could get the business in all these little towns that the train service. In 1898, they take out some ads that have a wonderful sketch that has a lot of detail of the photo car itself. You can see the outside, how it would have all this advertising on the outside, And this wonderful ad is very typical because not only does it have a sketch of their photo car, but it also proclaims, you know, we're here in town for a few weeks. And that's exactly what these photographers would have done with these photo cars. Take out ads saying we're coming to town, then take out ads saying, hey, we're here, come get your picture taken. And then they move on to the next town. But what's interesting is that the Chaldeys actually ran this little mini empire, apparently, where they had physical spaces in some towns like Blue Rapids for a couple of years. And they also had this traveling photography studio so they could actually maximize the number of people they could service. Now, the Chaudet Art Company, the notices in the paper also gives mention of the fact that they are training people. They're taking on assistants who are learning on the job, as it were, including one Miss Giltner, whose father or brother or somebody named Mr. Giltner also worked for the Chaudet Art Company. Miss Jenny Giltner learns the trade so well that she's actually able to take over at one point when the main operator there, a Mr. Wilson, goes off to a photography convention The Chaudet studio is left with Miss Giltner in charge. By some time in 1898, it would appear that the Chaudets are no longer in Blue Rapids, but I don't have a notion of when exactly they leave. It's also not clear to me what the relationship was between the Mr. Wilson who worked at the Chaudet Art Company and two brothers named Wilson who ran a separate Wilson's Gallery in Blue Rapids. The Wilson's Gallery in Blue Rapids had opened long before the Chaudets came to town. There's a notice in the paper in 1887 that the Wilson Gallery, operated by U.S. and E.R. Wilson, is now open. But the Wilsons leave Blue Rapids by 1898. It's not clear that any woman ever worked at the Wilson Gallery, but I bring them up because they provide a link in the chain of studios that we're talking about today. You see, when they leave town in 1898, their very popular photography studio is taken over by the Millers. Now, the Millers are another husband and wife couple, like the Chaudets. The Millers, Robert and Florence Miller, take over the Wilson studio in 1898. And their ads initially kind of refer to the fact that Wilson's Gallery was so popular that they are offering just as good photography. So come to them, they're just as good, you're going to be just as happy with their photography. So they renamed the studio and call it the Miller's Cottage Studio. And one thing that's interesting is one of their early notices in the paper when they're trying to get the business back from the Wilson Art Gallery is to have this very unique kind of notice, which is in the form of a poem. And although the notices initially say that Robert Miller is the photographer, the poem actually makes it clear that Florence Miller is also a photographer because it's written in the voice of a female photographer, specifically in the voice of a female photographer who is also married to a male photographer. And in the poem, The woman sort of laments about how the customer comes and thinks, oh, I can't get my photo taken because your husband isn't here. And she says, no, 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 I'm a photographer too. I can take a great photo. Come on in and I'll take them. And then, of course, the customer is very happy and they're doing great work just like Wilson had been doing. It's a really interesting kind of approach because it's long advertisement, but in verse. Anyway, that's 1898 when the Millers come to town. In 1901, the Millers leave Blue Rapids and they sell the Cogge studio to a woman named Mrs. Ada McAllister. The notice in the paper when Mrs. McAllister takes over emphasizes that she has hired an experienced photographer named Miss Carr who's going to be assisting her. Miss Carr comes from Chicago. It's kind of an interesting notice, and I think it's easily explained when we look into Mrs. McAllister's background, because it turns out that she really wasn't a photographer before she bought that studio in 1901. She was from Kansas, and she had married in 1873, but unfortunately, and very tragically, her husband dies less than a year after they get married. He dies in 1874, his obituary says, from consumption but she's in Blue Rapids working as a milliner, running a very popular millinery shop with at least one of her sisters. That's in the mid to late 1870s. But then in the 1880s, one of her sisters in Blue Rapids gets married and moves with her husband to Texas, and Mrs. Ada McAllister moves with them. While Mrs. McAllister is in Texas, She actually seems to remake herself as an artist, and so she starts building herself in the Dallas Directory as an artist. She's teaching painting as well, but she's not doing photography, which is why it's a bit of a surprise that she up and buys that studio in 1901 from the Millers, but one of her sisters was still in Blue Rapids, so maybe she wanted to move back to Blue Rapids, and this was the business opportunity that was at hand. By 1902, Mrs. McAllister seems to be comfortable in being a photographer on her own because she no longer mentions that Miss Carr from Chicago. Rather, the ads are all about having your picture taken by Mrs. McAllister, artist. So by 1902, as I said, she's really comfortable selling herself as a photographer. Now, interestingly, though, she only lasts in Blue Rapids as a photographer until 1903, It's long enough that she's able to teach some other women photography, like uh, Miss Nellie Lee, who works with her for a while. Um, But then in March of 1903, she actually decides to sell the studio and go back to Dallas. And she sells the cottage studio to another woman, a woman named Miss B. Shrebe. Miss B. Shrebe takes out a notice in the paper saying that she's reopening the cottage studio, which she's now calling the Cottage Photo Studio, on March 10th of 1903. What's curious is that I can't find any other evidence for this Miss B. Shreeby, and by August of 1903, the Cottage Studio is back to being named the Cottage Studio, and it's being run by a man, a Mr. D. L. Weed. Miss B. Shreby sort of disappears from the scene, and the Cottage Studio is, as far as I can tell, never again run by a woman photographer. That's not the end to the women photography stories in Blue Rapids, of course. As I said, there are always concurrent studios in town, and sometimes there were concurrent studios being run by women. For example, if we go back to 1898, a woman named Gertrude Hahn moves to Blue Rapids and opens up the Hahn's Art Gallery, which is a competitor of Wilson and then Miller, and maybe Chaudet if they were still there in 1898. But the Han's art gallery opens with great fanfare in the paper with the slogan, Han Makes Faces. And indeed, on May of 1898, there's a great notice that Miss Hahn was celebrating opening her new studio by taking pictures of 51 babies in one afternoon. 51 babies. Now, when I read that, I thought, wow, that is a lot of baby pictures to be taking, particularly with the kind of camera equipment that existed at that point, because it's not like pulling out your cell phone and taking 51 pictures of a baby. But when I was talking with someone at the Blue Rapids Historical Society about that notice, I was struck by the fact that there were 51 babies, pictures that had to be made that day, and she was struck by the fact that there were 51 babies that she found to take pictures of, which... That's a good point. In a town that's only a thousand people, where do you find 51 babies to take pictures of in a single afternoon? So Miss Hahn sets up a shop in 1898, and throughout her tenure in Blue Rapids, she's very active in the town. Um, She has an assistant initially, a Miss Gertrude Axtell. Unlike Mrs. McAllister's ad, it didn't, doesn't say that Gertrude Axel was particularly experienced, and indeed Gertrude Hahn had been a photographer for a couple of years before she moved to Blue Rapids in 1898. But Miss Hahn is passing that on, working with Gertrude Axel, um, working with another woman named Miss Delia Blomberg, and then also working with another woman named Gertrude Hubbard. Gertrude Hubbard is an interesting case. I want to take just a little sidestep into her story for a moment. Because Gertrude Hubbard starts as a librarian. Well, she's the assistant librarian. But then around 1898, she actually is promoted to be the full-fledged librarian. But just a couple of weeks later, there's a notice in the paper that she's resigned and her position has been taken by a woman named Miss Daisy Roach. But Miss Hubbard, instead of being a librarian, has apparently gotten a real interest in photography. And there's a great notice again around 1898 that she's kind of driving people crazy in town because she's just gotten a new Kodak camera and she's going around taking snapshots of everybody. But by 1900 she considers herself a full-fledged photographer. She is learning retouching from Miss Hahn and maybe assisting Miss Hahn in her studio. It's not really clear and again without any kind of business or city directory, we can't really understand what Gertrude Hubbard was doing with her photography other than these little notices in the paper. In 1904, she probably leaves photography behind because she gets married to a dentist named Samuel Gilson. Now, I bring this up for a couple of reasons. One is that she's happily married to Dr. Gilson for 20 years, but then he's tragically killed in an automobile accident in 1925. What was really intriguing to discover as a rabbit hole that I tried not to fall into too deeply is that he dies without a will and so his estate has to go into probate and all of the documents regarding the probate of that estate for a couple of years are all online, which was really kind of fascinating to read how Mrs. Gilson is trying to figure out how to get money to support her and her three small children. She's not apparently doing photography by the time her husband dies, so I don't think she actually did it after she got married. But another little interesting rabbit hole connected to Gertrude Hubbard Gilson is actually not only was her husband, Samuel Gilson, a dentist, but her sister-in-law, a woman named Elnora Gilson Whitmore, well, she actually was one of the first female physicians there in Kansas. She got her degree from a medical school in Chicago in the 1890s, which was one of the first to actually admit women and give them medical degrees, and later she goes back to Blue Rapids and sets up a very popular medical practice, again, in the 1890s, much earlier than I really ever thought women did that kind of work. So it's not just women as photographers that nobody knows about, but I think it's women as physicians that nobody really knows about in these early days in the late 19th, early 20th century. But in any case, getting back to Miss Hahn and her studio, remember, Gertrude Hahn was the one who actually ran the studio we were talking about. Miss Hahn is in town, and she's taking pictures of the babies, but also pictures of adults and couples and women and men and business people and also high schools. The high school graduating class in 1900 had their picture taken by Gertrude Hahn. Miss Hahn has a problem in 1902 when her sister in law, who was in Tennessee, dies. And so Gertrude Hahn needs to go to Tennessee to help her brother out. And so she sells her studio to the woman who is her assistant at that time, who is a woman named Florence Durkee, or as she was known in town, Kitty Durkee. Kitty Durkee had been Miss Hahn's assistant in the Hahn studio. But when she buys the studio, she renames the studio, rightly enough, as Miss Durkee's Art Gallery, and then starts to take out ads advertising, Pretty people take pretty pictures, but beauty is not all there is in a picture. It is your true likeness that your friends appreciate. If it is a picture with lifelike expression and fine finish that you want, come and sit at Miss Durkee's Art Gallery. All right, so that is her ads throughout the summer of 1902. But then in July of 1902 she actually takes out a different notice saying that she's going to close her shop for a month. She'll be back at the end of August. She's going to go off and visit relatives. Now remember 1902 was when Mrs. McAllister was running the cottage studio there in town and her ads were always about the kinds of pictures that you could have taken at Mrs. McAllister's studio. But in August of 1902, which is a moment when Florence Durkee is off on her vacation, Mrs. McAllister takes out a striking ad saying the only photographer in Blue Rapids is Mrs. McAllister at the cottage studio. Now, I don't know if there were other competitors in town at that point or whether it was just Miss Durkey and Mrs. McAllister. But it's really striking that Mrs. McAllister figures out that everyone else is gone. And so she's the only one in town. But it's really She's the only one in town at that particular moment because, of course, Miss Durkey was coming back. She was only on vacation. So, when Miss Durkey comes back, she takes out a new approach to her ads to have more thematic things, to have specials to draw people back in to say, hey, I'm still here. One of those is something she declares to be Grandmother's Day in October of 1902. She offers a free cabinet card to every grandmother. There are big notices in the paper, and then there's a nice little write-up after Grandmother's Day, which was October 30th, 1902, at Miss Durkee's gallery. The write-up says Miss Durkee was at the camera, and her assistant, Miss Roach, was there to receive the customers as they came in the door. Now, Miss Durkee's assistant, that Miss Roach, that's actually the same Miss Daisy Roach who became the librarian when Gertrude Hubbard gave up that job. So it's really interesting that there's this path from librarian to photographer there in Blue Rapids. Now, Ms. Durkey also does photography work that winds up in the newspapers. Now, in 1903, we have examples of work that Miss Durkey did for the newspaper, the Blue Rapids Times. There's a big article, actually it's like the whole edition of the paper, it's only eight pages, uh, on the town and the town's people, the prominent people that people need to know or are interested in finding out about. There are photos of a lot of these business people in town, including Miss Durkey. Not only that, it says that Miss Durkey took all the pictures, or almost all the pictures, for that particular edition of the newspaper. So that's really fun to find because it's something a little bit different from the cabinet cards and things, although the picture of Miss Durkey is like a standard head-and-shoulder shot. But what's fun is like it's a selfie of Miss Durkee. Anyway, I'll include that and that page from the newspaper in the episode notes so you can see some of her photography work. Now, she actually gets very active in photography for many years. Um, she opens up a gallery in Frankfurt, Kansas. Um, she goes to Topeka. She goes to the conventions a lot. She's traveling around with various people. Um, but then in 1909, she up and sells her studio, which is at that point in Frankfurt, Kansas, and turns to more Christian missionary work, and that consumes the rest of her adult life. But while she's in Frankfort, Kansas for five years, she's only in Blue Rapids for a couple of years before she actually sells in September of 1903 to her assistant, her assistant being that woman that I mentioned, Miss Daisy Roach. When Daisy Roach took over that studio in 1903, it was the start of a very long career in photography. The Roach Studio, or variations on that name, was in business from 1903 into the 1950s. And during those decades, Daisy Roach's story involves a variety of photographers, and even her sister, Emma Roach von Collis. There's a lot to talk about for the Roach Studio, and we're going to save that for the next episode, which is going to be part two of the Women Photographers of Blue Rapids, Kansas. Before I end today, though, I want to thank once again all the wonderful people in Blue Rapids. I'd like to give a special shout out to Lori Parker and her husband, Tom Parker, for organizing a wonderful day for my husband Chris and I. Lori not only brought people together in town to come talk to us about their memories of some of these women photographers, but she also organized a couple of special field trips in town and coordinated us diving into the archives at the museum and the library, where we uncovered artifacts cameras, photos, and newspaper articles that haven't yet been digitized. Lori's husband, Tom Parker, is himself a photographer. Tom's provided some wonderful digitized images of the photos that we found done by the women of the Blue Rapid Studios. I'll be sharing those in the episode notes for today's episode. I'll also provide a link to Tom's own website so you can see his fabulous photos of Blue Rapids and beyond. Plus, you can grab a copy of his wonderful book about modern day life in the tiny town of Blue Rapids, Kansas. The episode notes for today will include some examples of the wonderful newspaper ads that I've mentioned, plus that photo of Kitty Durkee that was in the newspapers. As always, the episode notes for today's show Will be available on my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. Or you can drop me a line at podcast at p3photographers.net. Or follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash p3photographers. Support for this podcast is provided by listeners like you. For ideas on how you too can support the project, go to the website at p3photographers.net. Next time, we'll still be in Blue Rapids exploring the wonderful world of the Roach Studio. Until then, I'm Lee McIntyre, and this is Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols.